0: Happy New Year. Welcome back to another podcast episode of Let's Open the Bible. We are Russ and Gavin coming to you this first time in 2024. Happy New Year, Gavin. Happy New Year. Did you do anything exciting or fun over the uh, Christmas and New Year celebrations?
1: Uh, So you said fun. The last time I used that word was last night for Theology Tuesday. Uh, You're so weird. Yeah, we're looking at uh, biblical ethics, uh, uh, um, John Murray's book. On biblical ethics, and it is it is difficult and really fun to work through. You know, it's really funny because so, we're
0: we're working through biblical ethics in the Bible.
1: So it's it's the principles of conduct. John Murray's uh, aspect of biblical ethics. Okay, and it is it is. I mean, it's rich, um, thoughtful. He has a teleological approach to ethics, which I appreciate, and divine command theory is the basis and, and works from Genesis to Revelation to work that out and what that means. One of the interesting things that he brought up yesterday was, you know, we talk about the commandments of God being necessary because of the fall, or some people do. And when we're redeemed, we have a new heart, regenerate heart that doesn't need to, the commands of God. And he said, and yet in the garden, in Adam's state of innocence, he was still commanded to do things and commanded not to do things. So, for example, even with his uh, manly, you know, probably God wrought manly impulses, he still had to be commanded to be fruitful and multiply. He still had to be commanded to to guard and to protect uh, the garden and subsequently his his wife and his family. You know, there were commands in his innocent state, he still required commands. I think all that's interesting. Sorry. It, it's fun. And then then so that's the the lesser of fun. Uh, the greater fun I guess would be spending time with family. Uh, I got to see my dad, my my sisters and Good. first Christmas without mom was difficult. Dad's not doing well. That's difficult. So it was it was uh, God has a way of working things out in a in in a way that keep us humble and dependent upon him. And remind us of his goodness, and both of those happened this this Advent season and the new year.
0: Very good, very good. Well, we uh, we got to spend time with family and friends, and uh, it was you know it was it was good in that sense. We did watch the ball drop, which we don't always do, and um, yeah.
1: What good. do you think about the football games this year? Do you you watch any of
0: them? The I, bowl I, games. I, I I really it's never been a I've never been a huge college football fan. I love professional football, though I don't get to watch nearly as much as I would want to. I end up catching the highlights. Um, but what did intrigue me was, uh, and I did not see any of it live. I saw some of the highlights of Michigan in Alabama. That game really intrigued me uh, because of the all of the controversy. For one, I wanted, to, I really kind of want to see Michigan do well for whatever reason. I, you know, I want to see Jim. Yeah, you know, is it Jim or John?
1: Uh, John's John. four, No, no, John's Baltimore. Okay, so, uh, you know I'd Michigan. like to see Jim
0: Harbaugh, you know, finally take Michigan to uh, the the Natty, which he is. Uh, but but that aside, just the controversy of choosing Alabama over an undefeated Florida State, uh, and you know Georgia with one loss, and from what I understand, it was a very close loss on a neutral field. Certainly had you know, some reason to yeah. be uh, upset about it. And so, you know, it was interesting to see how that would play out. And, and honestly, I, you know, I, I read somebody say something, you know, well, Alabama shouldn't have been there. This was post the game. And I'm thinking to myself, well, whether they should have been there or not, they sure played Michigan really tough, apparently went to overtime. I, like I said, I only saw some of the highlights. So good for them.
1: Okay. So all of that, th- th- maybe some of the interesting things, and, and we d- need to get to the uh, to scripture, the important things. Um, but I I don't necessarily love football. I enjoy it, but I, I don't love football. I love thinking of of the events of the world, the the front page news of the world in light of Scripture. I love the idea that Scripture takes every thought captive to obey Christ. That we we ought to think uh, through, with the Bible in mind. It's called a biblical worldview, and we ought to have it. So when I watch these things, I th- I, th- I th- kind of think Scripture. So. Um, you know the 63 to 3 drubbing that Georgia put on Florida State is interesting because everybody uh you know thought that Florida State should have been in the, the bowl championship series like they should have been number 4 at least right. going and undefeated and yet 63 to 3 drubbing means that we don't see ourselves clearly.
0: Mm, yeah, we don't see ourselves clearly. Don't. I don't I don't know that that's what that means. They I don't know how much you know about it but they had
1: people sit out but that was the other thing that
0: it was 12 12 people yeah i mean that's
1: well and they're they're starting quarterback did you see the injury uh-uh. oh good gracious his leg got, i mean watch it it is it is one of the most gruesome things you'll ever see his leg went to jelly i mean it, it got shattered destroyed and he was he was the big engine behind that you know um that team and when he sit out was sitting out sat out because he was injured then and other people sitting out they, that that they had no chance.
0: Yeah. So Con- one, context but, matters. But we
1: don't. You know, context matters. But absolutely, we do not have a clear view of ourselves. You're themselves. right, You're we right about that. 100%. Okay, hundred um, percent. And and then and then two, motivation is is always what motivates the heart. It, it always fascinates me what motivates a person's heart. And so why do people sit out? A little safety, finances, all those motivate people. Probably
0: some pouting. Maybe in, that, in Florida case. States, but but yeah.
1: you know I, you know I I'm a Penn State alum. And they had some of their best players. In fact, their best defensive players sit out, and their two corners sit out. And then, and I don't even know how commentators talk about the team anymore because they're talking about how the defense failed and stuff. Well, of course the defense failed, but there are reasons, as you said, context, context matters. matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why they sat out? So this
0: UNC was. I think they had something like twenty six. Right, yeah. Either because of the transfer portal or whatever. I mean, it's just crazy to think. It's
1: not even the same team. Right how do you even plan who what bowls get played and how they get played because you're not playing the team that was there all year
0: if you're a college football fan it's almost like the who's that is playing yeah right you know if you're a fan of a particular team you're watching people play you've never and if you've watched them every week you don't even know who they are right yeah
1: and and again where well, you go what does that have to do with let's open the bible and we are going to get to opening the bible but motives yeah the bible talks about the heart and and to put all of these things together, you know, Christian ethics is not only concerned with your actions, as Christ made it abundantly clear on the Sermon on the Mount. Your your heart matters. Yeah. Maintain the heart with all vigilance or diligence, for out of it are the issues of life.
0: Proverbs four twenty three. Yeah.
1: Very much we are we are motives are, are fascinating to me, but they're also very much a part of the the Christian worldview.
0: Yeah. Well, listener, uh, again, thank you. Welcome to 2024. And um, today we want to look at Second Thessalonians chapter 1. And uh, Gavin's going to read verses 11 and 12 for us after I pray. And so are you all queued up over there? Yes, sir. Oh, fantastic. Well, let's pray. Lord, we uh, thank you for today a day in which we can, uh, Gavin and I can come together, we can open your word, we can have conversations. Uh, Lord, I, I pray, uh, Father, that uh, you would be glorified and exalted and lifted up uh, in all that we do. And Lord, that this word um, that you've given us, this perfect word that guides us in truth, it is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. Lord, I, I pray that this word would guide us as only it can um, into the truth that you have for us. So I pray, Father, that you would open the eyes of our understanding uh, for wisdom and for revelation as we look at your word and as your Holy Spirit, uh, Father, interacts with your word to bring us uh, this wisdom and revelation, Lord, that ultimately you'd be glorified. And so we thank you for today. uh, And Lord, we just ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
1: So uh, an interesting thing, that I've learned or or an example that was shown to me early in the ministry is um, a, a gentleman went into a church and they really were not praying biblically, right? And someone says, well, how's that possible? We'll, we'll, maybe another day we'll have that conversation, but they weren't praying biblically. So he decided that for the first, you know, I, I wanna say three months, he was gonna be the one praying on Wednesday nights and the, the church would listen. And he prayed biblically and, and very much at times directly from scripture. Right? Have you have you ever heard an example of that? Like I don't know that we really know what what it means to pray to the God who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. I don't know that we really are praying the things that that we're pressing on Jesus and His prayers or Paul and His prayers or Moses. You know I don't know that those interactions that we find in Scripture are are reflected in in how we pray to God. And and so he he walked through that what it meant and used again Scripture as the example starting in Scripture and ending in Scripture and, and walked through that. I th- I think that's That's something at least to contemplate. Sure. That being said, here's the prayer we could have prayed right then, and your prayer is very much biblical and very much about enlightening the eyes of our heart, and, and that you know that the Spirit would do that work in us. But but this is a prayer. This is this is Paul to the church at Thessalonica. He says, "To this end, we always pray for you." Now, this is the prayer. This could have been the prayer that you know, just we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of the His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So, um, where do you want to start?
0: I think we should start at the beginning. All right. So we're kind of parachuting into a passage uh, into something a conversation that's that's already underway, and you probably know the context of what's led up to this prayer better than than I do, having uh, taken a closer look at this. So, what's our context here? What's going on?
1: Okay, uh, Paul is writing to a church that he's worried about the church in Thessalonia, Thessalonica, the Thessalonian church. Um, he had to leave quickly, and he's worried about their condition, and and uh, they're thinking that. Christ may have already come, and they're worried about his impending coming. And Paul's going to walk through some some of uh, eschatological things in order to encourage them in the faith, as you know where they are now. Let, let's talk about the end, so that you're encouraged where you are now. Remember that they're worried that Jesus has already come. And, yeah, this is in
0: First Thessalonians. Yeah,
1: yeah, and so he's going to revisit it. Um, yep. Yeah. Anything
0: else? Let's no, I think that, that kind of helps. I think.
1: Okay. Um, let's go here. Here's where I want to go. All right. Um, wherefore, all right. For this reason, um, there is a a kind of an end in mind. There's a purpose in Paul's prayer to this end or wherefore we pray. And this is the prayer. Sorry. I'm, I'm kind of juggling a few things over here. We always pray for you. Um, I heard somebody say this morning, and it really hit me hard, how many people do you think pray daily? I mean, and I'm not talking just over food. I'm talking to have a sincere, serious, uh, extended, I don't want to make time the determinative factor in a good prayer, but but extended prayer time daily. I, the numbers, when, when the surveys are kind of published, are horrible.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's lower, uh, I think. Than the amount of time people spend in in the in the Bible, or it's not it's minuscule. It's not much. Whatever it is, all right. So um, again, the
1: end is in mind. Christ's judgment is in mind, and there will people that will suffer eternal destruction. That's in mind, and so Paul is going to say, like to the end, that you will be set. Uh, up for eternal life as opposed to people awakening to eternal judgment, we're going to pray for you. We want your end to be in God. We want your end to be eternal joy and happiness in the presence of God. So we want to pray, right? Um, We pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. And his calling is um, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So 1 Thessalonians two eleven. for you know how like a father with his children, verse 12, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So what he's praying for is that you'll walk like a Christian walks, that you, the works that God set uh, up for you to do in Philippians 2, the, the works that he has called you to do, sorry, that's Ephesians 2, the works that he has called you to do in your salvation, that you'll walk in them.
0: That walking is, is talking about living, that you would yeah. live out the Your faith. Your
1: lifestyle would reflect that yeah. you are a believer in Christ and that, you, that his commandments are not burdensome, but they're, I mean, they're a, a joyful thing for you to walk in them.
0: So the faith you say you have should dictate the way you live.
1: No, it does dic- it, The faith you say you have, um, the, that faith must dictate, if it's genuine, will dictate how you walk. So again, your stated belief y- y- yeah plus your practice equals your actual belief, right yep, all right, so you don't walk in the way to earn salvation, but you walk in the way because you are saved because you have a new heart that
0: it that walks um in a manner of fully pleasing to the Lord, and that's what it is to that God will make your make you worthy of his calling, right, that God will do that work in you, yep, so that walk in first thessalonians two eleven is In the Lord.
1: Right. Well, you're walking in a way that glorifies God.
0: But that is empowered by God.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: So So you're not walking alone.
1: Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. He's the one working in you to to want to do and to be able to do and desire to do and then to to have the power to do. He's empowering you to do the things that he has called you to do. So that St. Augustine quote that I love so much where it says, you know, uh, Lord, grant what thou commandest, then command what thou wilt." You know, like if you, you've you got to give me the strength to do it, then command whatever you want. Because in my own, and this is the problem with resolutions. Most people set up resolutions like I will, I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to make it happen. Well, you're going to fail. Most resolutions, New Year's resolutions fail. Right. Because you, that's not how you've been designed. You've been designed to be dependent. So we are to be intentional come up with resolutions. Absolutely. That's a good thing. We, we are to plan. And then we're to say, if the Lord wills, even our maturity, according to Hebrews says, you know, we'll mature. We'll go on from the elementary things of the faith. We'll mature if the Lord wills. That's a crazy line in there. Like, I mean, you don't do anything unless the Lord wills it. What is that? James four. I mean, don't say we're going to go into this city and do this, say, if the Lord wills, but plans and resolutions are not the problem. The idea that you can accomplish them by your own might and strength and power, that's the problem. Apathy is not the answer. Well, I just won't care. I won't I won't plan. I won't be intentional. I've told the church we ought to be intentional. We ought to have goals. I mean, Paul even says to this end, like there is a, I, I know this word is throws some people, but it's so beautiful to me. The telos, there is a purpose and a plan and a goal for the Christian life. Our, our goal is God himself to enjoy eternity with him. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's my goal. And to that end, Paul prays. That's the end that Paul's praying for.
0: So Paul says in Galatians that we are to walk in the spirit. And I think part of the problem why so many believers live a powerless life is because they're walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. They're not letting God's word have that authority over the way they live their life. They're not trusting in him when they know there's somebody across from them who's not a believer, and so they have a perfect opportunity to share the gospel, and they don't because of fear, or because I, I, maybe they'll ask a question I don't know the answer to. I think that a part of the problem is that we're giving into that fear. We're walking in the flesh instead of trusting the Lord to lead and doing what only God can do.
1: Yeah, the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So, the mindset on the flesh; those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Romans eight. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Yeah. Right. So, so th- th- there's this there's this way of walking in the Spirit and walking in a manner fully pleasing to the Lord. There's a way of walking in the in the the good works that He has called you to walk in. Right. And again, you don't do those works in order to earn salvation that's not meritorious. You walk in those ways because you, you have a new heart that desires God. Uh, you walk in those ways because you have seen Christ and seen him as desirable, and you run to him in those ways. Um, but there, then there's a way of walking in the flesh that is hostile towards God. You know, that 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 fleshly mind, I mean, that's how you're born. You're born by nature children of wrath. That's your natural man, and, and you're not spirit-filled and, and spirit-led um, in in that way. So Paul is praying right now that you'll, that you'll walk according to the spirit. And I love how you tie the word in there, you know, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then, um, you know, the the spirit gives life, the flesh has no help at all. The words that I've spoken, they are spirit and they are life. And so you go, okay, how do I walk in the spirit? And well, in one way, prayer certainly, and uh, there are other components of this, but in one way, letting, and you said this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly.
0: Yeah. So I think this is an example To some degree, Paul is praying or writing to immature Christians. Now, again, that's that is a a value word, value laden word. I'm just saying that that to some degree he's praying effectively for their um, their maturation in the faith, that they would walk according to the will of God and not according to the flesh, and 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 that is something that I think you and I as pastors would echo. Uh, we, we all have people in our churches that are more mature than others, and uh, it seems to me just an observation that some people uh, are so much more comfortable walking in the flesh that that uh, they never share their faith. That's just one example, uh, and they never seem to grow and, and in their faith. At least it's hard for me to see it sometimes, and, and we do pray. We, 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 we push, and we prod, and we pray, and yeah, it, it's it's it, it can be exasperating, right? Well, he, he's saying to them,
1: uh, they are growing in their faith abundantly, um, and they have been steadfast in the face of persecution and their affliction, right? So, so he was very worried in, as you said, First Thessalonians, the the the. the first letter. Uh, He was very worried that he left quickly and he didn't, he wanted to know how they were doing and whether they were growing and if if they were well-established. And now he's kind of commending them and saying that, you know, his prayer is that they would continue down that, that way, the road, the pathway uh, to uh, eternal joy, which is again, to be in the presence of God rather than, and he's warning them about the judgment. You know that that he he prays that that they will continue to place their trust in Christ and not shrink back. Persevere, uh, persevere. Yeah, absolutely. So to this end, we always pray. There's a teleological uh, prayer to this end. There's a purpose. We always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling. So uh, God has to do that work. Um, God has to open your eyes that you will see Him as good and wonderful, um, and and worthy, uh, worthy of His calling, and may fulfill. God is the one who fulfills this, right? That God may fulfill, and again, this is very different in the KJV, but uh, we're we're just operating from the ESV right now, and maybe one day we will do a breakdown of how and why we we are. I am comfortable with this translation, but um, that our God may make you worthy of His calling may fulfill every resolve. Well, whose resolve is it? It's ours. Yeah, God's. God may do the work by fulfilling every resolve for good. Okay, that good again, value laden has to be towards God. So I think a resolution, a good resolution for a Christian is to say, God, if you will, and if you work that in me, and according to your power by the Holy Spirit, I resolve to do good this year. And these are the specific areas of my life where I'm committed and resolved. Uh, I want to be intentional to do these things. Would you do that work in me? I pray daily for the strength to continue down this path. And the more serious we get, the more dependent we are the more serious we get about our resolutions the more the more we want to press into to God the more dependent we will be on his spirit to empower us mhm all right and we'll get into some of those verses in a second um and uh, every work of faith by his power what is that
0: a work of faith well it's it's going back to that um walking in the spirit. You know, the things that we do, we do in the power and the authority. When we're walking in the spirit, we do under the power and the authority of of the Lord. And so we're we're trusting him. We're not walking by the flesh. Right. So, right, and and, and, and it is
1: stepping out trusting that God has to supply that uh, that strength. So, 1 Peter 4:10, as each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as God's stewards, uh, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Now, there, there's, you know, that's, I think those are the works of faith. The, the works of faith are trusting in God, trusting in his word. That is a work of faith. God has to supply the power for that work. If we supply the power, it's not a work of faith anymore. It's it's a work of work. It's right. a work of effort. It's a work of ours. It's not trusting in God, it's not depending on God, it's not leaning on his word and his spirit for power. So uh, by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That's another thing about resolutions that don't depend on God. Who gets glorified if you do it? So if you say, I will work out every single day. God's not a part of that at all. You say, I will work out every single day. Who gets the praise? You do. I do. And that's all that, I mean, that's as far as that praise goes.
0: So it starts in January and it ends around February or March.
1: Right. Unless, there are people that, unsaved people that are disciplined, disciplined. Well, they get the praise. But as a Christian, we want to say no if the we want to be absolutely dependent on God. And by the way, the works of faith are going to be toward God. And you can't go towards God without faith. It is impossible to please God. Anything that doesn't proceed from faith is sin. You cannot please God or go towards God if it's a work of the work, of the flesh. No matter how beautiful outwardly it looks, the Pharisees weren't pleasing to God, and they weren't doing works of faith. They were doing works of flesh and works of 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 works, and that was not commended by Christ. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you whitewashed sepulchers. You look great. You're doing all the right things. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. There's nothing you're doing that's pleasing to me. That's not a work of faith. Make sense? Right. Okay. All right. Uh, That God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Um, first Corinthians 15, 10 by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Like that's, that's an interesting one. Who's working? Well, you know, the Christian life feels an awful lot like labor and effort, but if it's in the flesh, you will grow weary and tired. Mm -hmm. If you wait on the Lord, you will mount, mount up on wings like eagles. Hmm. All right. Anything else you want to say there? That's good. Um, I love, uh, just real quick, if you want to talk about resolutions, I, I think Joshua, the most famous line in, in the book of Joshua, the, the, the is Joshua 24, and I'll start with verse 14, but we're going to get to 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15, and this is where we find the most well-known of the the passages in Joshua and what I would say about resolutions. And maybe this is your resolution this year, if the Lord wills. This, This could be your resolution. Verse 15, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers your father served, sorry, the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as for me, this is an intentional uh, resolution. Joshua and his family will be resolutely devoted to God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Resolve this day who you are going to serve.
0: Do you usually uh, preach anything regarding resolutions or anything like that?
1: I have, but I don't usually. I have. I I just think that sometimes Christians are, um, you know, we were talking about hiding God's word in your heart, right? I I think a lot of times to to walk according to the flesh and to live according to the flesh is to live without the word of God guiding you, directing you, and dwelling richly in your heart. It's to live without much prayer. Um, And... But I think, so that's one way. But the other way I think a lot of Christians can live, or we all can live in some time, is we're apathetic. We're not intentional. We just hope that we will end up where God has called us to end up. That is not, you. if you drift, you drift away from God. I think Hebrews, you know, do not neglect such a great salvation. We need to be anchored in, in, into God. We need to be bound to him and, and striving um, to grow and to mature in our faith, I, just to drift is to drift away from God. And, and some, I was talking about this the other day uh, in the church setting, and I said, name some schools that were founded on Christian principles or to teach young pastors and where they are today. Because drifting, natural drifting, is away from God. You need to be intentional and resolute in anchoring yourself to God. Harvard, Harvard was was a designed to teach young men about God and to preach. Harvard. Is Harvard, how's Harvard doing now? Not great. Baylor, Baylor is a Baptist institution. When you walk on Baylor, it's not, you don't feel like you're walking on holy ground. And I could give you some some anecdotes about how it is no longer per, you know holy ground and what they accept and promote. How about even Wake Forest, Baptist institution? I don't remember if it was the, the church on the campus or if it was associated with the school, but it hasn't, I mean, it has gone radically liberal from what I understand, right?
0: Are you talking about Southeastern?
1: No, uh, no, 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 no. Wake Forest. Oh, Wake in Forest. Winston. Yeah. In Winston. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the
0: Baptist church that in is Southeastern. on the, uh, at Southeastern is is pretty liberal.
1: It is very liberal. And it's, it, it actually sits on the horseshoe part of the property with a little area cut out for the church. They own that property, right? Yep, I believe yep, they own that right. property, but they, they've gone liberal. You drift, if you drift, you drift liberal. Yeah. The conservative resurgence was an intentional act. Was it perfect? No. Were there was there sin on both sides of that debate? Absolutely. But but to to go back to the you know to the prin- biblical principles, it is a fight, and it was a fight. The conservative resurgence, and I'm not I'm I'm not uh, saying that again that all of those in the conservative resurgence were above reproach. I'm saying that it was a fight to return to biblical principles. Yeah. All right. Um, where, were we going anywhere with that, or was I just rambling?
0: You were just rambling. You're a rambling man. I was born that way.
1: I was born, Lord, I was born a rambling man.
0: Well, uh, listener, thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you're off to a, a great new year of faithfulness. Uh, that's basically what I preach. That's the resolution, faithfulness to the Lord, uh, walking in his ways and not the cultures, not making compromises. Uh, trusting God with the impossible. Those are all examples of, of faithfulness. Maybe we can do that tomorrow. Kind of like what we're talking about in this passage. So, Right. Not drifting. I, I, yeah. I
1: think being resolute and not drifting.
0: Yeah. So until we catch up with you in the next episode, open your word and continue to grow in the knowledge of the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. Until then, God bless.